Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Church podcast. Visit us online at lifepointcentral.com. It is good to see you, and um, if you happen to miss uh, last weekend and our announcement, we were supposed to have a guest with us this weekend and a worship weekend, and they had some plans that fell through, and so we're working on rescheduling that. So um, instead of that happening this weekend, we're going to kick off a brand new series this morning, and it'll run for the next few weeks, but it is good to see you, and, and um, you sounded awesome in worship. Turn to somebody and say, you look good, and you sound better. If you really like them, say it the opposite way. You sound good, but you look better. If they didn't sound that good, just say, it's nice standing beside you and uh, worshiping with you and hearing all that racket. I want to start off this morning by declaring something over you. And so if this means something to you at some point in what I say, you just go, uh-huh, amen, I'll take that or something, okay? So I declare, well, you don't have to repeat it, I'll just, I'll just say it. I declare that God is about to do something unprecedented in you, for you, and through you. It will be so awesome that your enemies, your opposition, and your critics will be amazed. Um, I felt like I was supposed to say that over you. Um, as I was studying this week, and, and you know, that could be different things in the lives of, of different people sitting here or those of, of you who are watching this morning uh, on live stream or, or you may watch the recording later. May, maybe that's healing that we're talking about for you. Maybe that's restoration in a relationship. Maybe that's something in the financial realm. Maybe that's something as, as far as a prayer request or um, God favoring you or a breakthrough or flourishing your business or an unbelievable victory or um, a divine opportunity or a historic answer to your prayers. Something that you just step back and say, well, that had to be God. Now, let me go on and say this, that you may seem or feel like you're outnumbered, outmanned, or even outmatched, but I declare it's a setup. It's a setup so God can show up and show off. And a few of you are excited, the rest of you are, you know, maybe too much summer, too much sun, whatever's going on. But what if it's just a setup for God to show up and for God to show off in, in, in your life? And I put this down, so it's good to be excited, but I also want you to be prepared for a monumental showdown uh, with your God, with yourself, and with the enemy. And so I want to start a series this morning after declaring those things to you, and here's, here's my, my series, Prophets, Punks, and Predicaments. <laughs> Prophets, Punks, and Predicaments. Because if God is going to do something in you, for you, and through you, how many know you've got to deal sometimes with some prophets, punks, and some predicaments? And so here's my title this morning, The Power of a Prophet. The Power of a Prophet. And so where I'm coming from this morning, in 1 Kings 18, we're going old school, Old Testament this morning, and in 1 Kings 18, it's the famous story of the prophet Elijah taking on 850 prophets of Baal and Asherah. And a lot of you know, know that story. And so Baal basically was their god of fertility, and Asherah was the goddess 
of love and, and war. It was the gods that they were worshiping in God's nation. And let me give the story context before we jump into it this morning. And this is not a teaching message. This is a preaching message. So what that means is I need some amens. Uh Uh-huh. I'll take that. Give me a little bit of that. Mm, That feels good right there. I need some of that this morning because the more of that you can do, the more you're going to pull out of what I believe God put in my spirit for you this morning. Okay? So I'm going to say some good things to to you this morning, some challenging things, and some things that will fire you you up. It's it's one of those messages. So what I'm saying is let's get some energy going in, in the room. So in 1 Kings chapter 18, we see that Elijah is on the scene, and he's God's prophet. He's God's spokesman at the time, and he opposes King Ahab and his lovely wife Jezebel. And he opposes them because basically Jezebel was a Phoenician princess that was given to Ahab as a political alliance, and she became his wife, and she was pretty much guilty uh, 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 of causing him to become what the Bible said the worst king that Israel had had up to that point. He was the worst uh, uh, king that they had had up to that point because he turned Israel into a pagan culture and they were full of idolatry. And so I, Elijah comes on the scene and Elijah confronts Ahab. And basically what Elijah said is, I'm going to cause it not to rain on the land, causing a famine. And so he tells Ahab, I'm going to cause it not to rain And I will not revoke that prophecy um, until you'll be willing to repent and change the things that you have created. And and so this is what's going on is is Elijah has has confronted Ahab. And so then for the next three years, Elijah goes into hiding and Jezebel murders almost all of Israel's uh, prophets. Now, a prophet is one who foretells the will of God. A false prophet is one who foretells evil in the name of God or, or the will of someone or himself in the name of God. And so here we have Elijah, who's God's mouthpiece, and now for the next three years, he goes into hiding, and then he reemerges after three years. He reconfronts Ahab, and he says, if you want it to rain again, I need you to bring all of your false prophets and all of the people and meet me on Mount Carmel for a showdown. So that is the context, and I want to pick up in chapter 18 and verse 17, and we're going to read some verses and make some light points. That's the context of what's happening. Elijah has prophesied that it will not rain. It hasn't rained for three years. He shows up. He goes back to King Ahab, and he says, we're going to have a showdown on Mount Carmel. Verse 17, then it happened. Ahab saw Elijah, and Ahab said this to him, is that you, O troubler of Israel? And Elijah said, I've not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and you have followed followed the bells. Now, therefore, send and gather all of Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 450 prophets of Asherah who eat at the table of Jezebel. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel, and he gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all of the people on Mount Carmel, and I love what he said. He said, how long are you going to falter between two opinions? And if I challenge you with that this morning, how long is God's house, are God's people, are you and I going to falter between God's opinions and the opinions of culture or the opinions of our doubts or the opinions of our thoughts or the opinions around how long will we falter? So this is, this is the first time Elijah's back on the scene and he's very uh, confrontational to the people and he asks this question. 
and listen to their answer. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is, then follow him. But the people didn't say a word. That's the problem with the church sometimes. That's a problem with us sometimes. We don't say a word. We don't speak the word. We don't answer things. We don't respond to things. So Elijah is saying to all of the people who have fallen into idolatry and to uh, Ahab and, and to Jezebel, he, this confrontation, he says, I'll take the rain away if you'll just repent. And he said to the people, which opinion are you going to follow? If it's Baal, then follow him. If it's God, then follow him. And no one had a word to say. So let's, let's make some points. Point number one, are you ready for this? Whenever you give the devil the mic, he will mess you up. Y'all hear that? Look at someone say, that was good right there. Whenever you give the devil the mic, he will mess you up. And what I mean by that is sometimes we, we allow the devil to have this prophetic voice in our life and speak these things to us or over us, and it causes us to falter between two opinions. The opinion of the word of God versus the opinion of man. The opinion of culture versus the opinion of the word of God. The opinion of what God says and what he wills and what he wants versus our thoughts, our feelings, our experiences, what we see on media, what we see on Facebook. And we're faltering between two opinions because we've given the devil some mic time in our lives. And as long as we'll do that, he'll mess you up. Let's just take a survey. How many of you have ever listened to the voice of the enemy, whether you recognize it or not, and it messed up an area of your life? If so, raise your hand. It's happened to all of us. It can happen to all of us. Now, now let's just look into this. So there were 850 false prophets between the prophets of Asherah and the prophets of Baal. And the Bible tells us that um, Ahab had this lovely wife named Jezebel that I'm sure you've heard of. Now, in the Old Testament, Jezebel was an actual person. And in the New Testament, it was a spirit. It was the spirit that uh, uh, was on those who killed John the Baptist. In the book of Revelation, it says this about one of the churches in Thyatira, Thyatira that, that the Revelation talks about. It said... Jesus said this, he said, you know, you're a church full of faith, full of perseverance, full of service, you're busy for God, but I have something against you. How I many know that's not what you want to hear when God shows up and says, hey, you are good looking, you are uh, well to do, you, you've been faithful, you're in church every time, but I got something against you. How many know like the positive things just went out, because I want to know what, what you got against me, Right? And this is, what, this is what the word of God says about that church, Thyatira. Even though they had all this good stuff happening, God had something against them, that they tolerated Jezebel. Everybody say tolerate. I wonder how often we tolerate two opinions in our life. Now, Jezebel was an actual person. Uh, that same spirit of Jezebel was very active today. Uh, when you say spirit of Jezebel, first of all, that could be an attitude someone has. Um, it could be an influence on somebody, or it could be an outright spirit of witchcraft. There are people that carry a Jezebel personality. There are people that are bound by a spirit of Jezebel. It's a spirit working in our country today. So if Elijah called for her prophets 
for a showdown on Mount Carmel, what would those prophets be saying? How many of you would agree with this statement? It's important that you and I discern God's voice. Right, that, that's very important. If that's true, this is also true. We have to be able to discern the voice of the enemy as well. We have to be able to distinguish those voices. So I, I, was, I was praying on that. So if Jezebel is an influencing spirit, that's a false voice or a false prophetic voice, whenever the devil gets the mic, and I want to use those letters, M-I-C, what would that voice sound like? It would sound like this. M is manipulation, I is intimidation, and C is control. That's what a spirit of Jezebel does. That's how the spirit of Jezebel speaks and influences. So I want you to think about this. Manipulation, intimidation, and control, MIC. If the enemy gets the mic, this is what it's going to sound like to you. This is what's going to cause you to falter between two opinions. Number one, the enemy will always, always, always try to manipulate you. He'll do it through your thoughts. He'll do it through media. He'll do it through the voice of someone else. If you're around someone else that's always manipulative, they've got that spirit working in them and through them. Well, what, what's another word for manipulation? Sorry, I'm talking in tongues up here. Manipulation, it's deception. The Bible actually says the enemy is the father of all lies. Any voice that would manipulate you or try to deceive you or seduce you away from believing everything that God said, you got to know right then and there, it's the devil getting the mic in your life. If God says you're a conqueror, but every voice between your ears is saying you're going down, you're going under, that's not the voice of God. If there's a voice that you're going to die from this sickness and it's not the voice of healing, guess what? It's a voice that's trying to manipulate you. You're not going to make it. You, you should be shameful. You're not forgiven. That's a voice that's trying to manipulate you to tell you you can't be what God says you can be. You can't have what God says you can have, and you can't do what God says. Any voice that is not what God said, what Jesus said in the Word, what the Spirit speaks through the Word, it's a voice that's trying to manipulate you to a different opinion. Are y'all out there? Y'all awake? Isn't that good? It will try to Not only will it manipulate you, if it's a voice of intimidation, which is another word for fear, any voice that's full of fear. Actually, you know, you, um, you're only born with like two fears, loud voices and falling. Everything else is learned. But how many know there's a spirit of fear in the world? It, it, and that's the number one tactic of the enemy. Anything that would try to intimidate you, put fear on you, guess what? It's the devil getting the mic in your life. It's the devil getting the mic in your life. Or control. Anything that would try to control you, dominate you, guess what? That is the devil getting the mic in your life. Now, here's the deal about the devil. Sometimes he's very rude, and he just barges right in. And sometimes when he does that, he's a little easier to discern. But there are other times he's not as bold and as rude, but he's more subtle and deceptive. But what we have to do is stop faltering between these two opinions and understand I'm going to stop giving the devil the mic in my life. 
I think I would say it this way. It's time to take the mic back. Tell the enemy to drop the mic. (laughs) In your life and my life. And that voice he has could be sometimes as simple as what's coming between your ears. Sometimes it's what's coming through your smartphone or what's coming through your television or what's coming out of uh, the government or what's coming out of the media or what's coming out of Hollywood or what's coming through culture. Um, Sometimes it's the voice of someone close to you. But any voice that would be manipulative, intimidating, or controlling, guess what? You need to make sure that the enemy does not have that mic anymore in your life. For some of you, he's had the mic in areas of your life for a long time. And you have been manipulated. And you have been intimidated. And you've been under the control of some things. It could have been a parent years ago. It could have been a guardian years ago. It could have been someone professional over your life. Someone important to you. Or just, just stuff we've learned from living in the world that we live in. And it has shaped and molded us. It's time to take the mic back. Wasn't that good? That was point one. You all see how I did that? The mic, M, I, the C. Did anybody catch that? I thought that was one of the greatest things I've ever thought of. Anyways, all right, here we go. Let's read on. Verse verse 25. So Elijah says to all the prophets, remember God's people were like, cricket, cricket, cricket. They have no response. See, there's something that happens when you and I get to a place where we get apathetic, dry, calloused and insensitive to the things of God, we don't answer. We don't speak up because we have faltered between two opinions. But I'm going to predict that's going to end in your life because you're going to take the mic back from the enemy. Let's find out how to do that. Here we go. So Elijah says to all the prophets, choose a bull for yourselves, prepare it, for you are many, and you call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. So they took the bull that was given them, they prepared it, called on the name of Baal from morning till noon, saying, Oh, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice. No one answered. Then they leaped about the altar that they made. And so it was at noon. And I like this. Elijah mocked them and said, Keep crying, for he's a God. Either he's meditating, he's busy with something else, he's away on a journey, or maybe he's sleeping and you have to wake him up. So what did they do? They started crying louder and louder. Now they're cutting themselves, which was part of their worship. They started cutting themselves, as was their custom, with knives and lances, and the blood was gushing out on them. And when midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no voice, and no one answered, and no one paid attention. This is a wild scene. Elijah's got... Got everyone on Mount Carmel. CNN's there and Fox News is there and, and everyone's broadcasting this and, and, and the eyes are on this point in this moment. And Elijah said, okay, here's what we're going to do. You take a bull, you cut it into pieces, you put it on your altar and pray for a fire to come down and consume that altar. So they started their chants, their cries, their worship. And nothing is happening as the day goes on, and they're crying louder and louder and louder. And Elijah's, Elijah's saying, maybe he's asleep. Louder, louder. Maybe he's on a journey. 
So now they're, they're, they're beyond, they're, they're cutting themselves and stabbing themselves and blood's gushing out all over. Can you picture the same blood's all over the place and they're crying and they're screaming and nothing happens for them. Here's my second point. So the first point was, if you give the devil the mic, he will what? Mess you up. Listen to this. If you give faith a voice, it will grant you great victories. It will grant you great vi- If you give faith a voice, take the mic back from the enemy, step up to the mic, and give faith a voice. Give faith a voice. Are y'all with me? Give faith a voice. Do you know the Bible says that you and I need a spirit of faith? So faith comes when we keep hearing and hearing what Jesus said. But faith is not active until you say what Jesus said. The Bible calls it a two-edged sword. It came out of the mouth of God. It got into your heart and spirit. And when you speak it out, now it's two-bladed. It's two-edged. Because you're saying what God says. Faith is not active till you say what God says. Famous verse. Here we go. Mark chapter 11, verse 23 and verse 24. Jesus said this, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says, everybody say that, says, whoever says to the mountain, you're going to see in these two verses, three instructions for the word say, and each time you see the word say or says, it's a different tense. The first time we see it right here, it says this, I tell you, whoever says to the mountain, the word says there basically is an authoritative command. So whoever says with authority to a mountain, okay, not like, excuse me, Mr. Mountain, not that, but it, you speak to the mountain with authority. Whoever speaks to the mountain with authority, be moved and be cast in the sea, and you don't allow doubt to come into your heart, but you believe that those things he says will be done. The second time we see the word says, it's a different tense, and it's a word for boldness. So what the scripture is saying, whoever says with authority to this mountain, and you don't doubt, but you say it boldly, that mountain will be picked up and what? Tossed into the sea. These things he says will be done, and he will have whatever he says. Third time we see the word says, it's a really interesting word. Um, How many of you have ever been, uh, let me paint a picture. It's dark, you're walking through your house, you can barely see where you're going, and you step down on something that shoots this sharp paint up through your foot, and you yell, thank you, Jesus, out really loud in the middle of the night. It's a Lego. How many have ever met a Lego like that? Little kids play. This is the Greek word Lego, and it really means to build. So what Jesus is saying is whoever with authority says to a mountain and stays in boldness about what you're saying and keeps saying, you're going to build your future. You're going to frame your world. You're going to frame your destiny. You're going to take the things God says and speak to the things that are are opposing you. And verse 24 says, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you have them. Isn't that cool? Our words are so powerful and we know that, but Faith has to have a voice. Yes, yes, yes. It has to have a voice. 
And when you give it a voice, just like Jesus said, if you give it a voice, you have to give it a voice of authority. And the only way it has authority is knowing that God's already said it. And if God's already said it about your destiny, about your future, about your wallet, about your health, about your relationships, about your destiny, if God's already said it, you just got you to gotta, you gotta say what he says, because if you say what he says, authority is with it. And every demon has to bow, every false prophet has to submit, every voice, everything against you, every critic will be silenced if you say what God says. You can say what you want to say. That's called opinions. We all have them. But they don't have the authority. Well, this is what I think. You ever heard someone say, well, I'll tell you what I think. If they're not an expertise in that field, I'm like, if someone is broke and they're going to give you financial advice, I mean, you're like, if their relationships are a mess, and they're going to, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you a relationship right here, some relationship advice. I've been married 17 times. You just discredited yourself. But if God says that, how many are like, attention, there's authority to this. So you can not only say it with authority, you say it with some boldness. Isn't that what Elijah was doing? He started mocking them. Maybe your God's asleep. Maybe he's on a journey. Louder, louder, cut yourself. Come on, wake him up. Sometimes our faith is too fearful because we've given the devil the mic. Instead of giving faith a voice. And not only do we have to say it with boldness, it's the building block, blocks for our future. It's the Lego. So where you're at today has been built by what you said yesterday and what will come into your life tomorrow will be built by what you are saying right here and right now. Your victory tomorrow doesn't start tomorrow. Your victory tomorrow starts right here, right now. I want you to hear this. This, this, is out of, um, this is straight out of research. So I'm going to read it just like I wrote it down. Words are electromagnetic and quantum life forces that come from thoughts inside your brain. So they're forces that come from thoughts in your brain. Not your brain, thoughts in your brain. Which you build into your mind when you think, when you feel, and when you make choices over time. So over time, when you're thinking and you're feeling and making choices, it's creating thoughts in your mind that are released through your words, and these are life forces. These are electromagnetic and quantum life forces. I know that's a lot for summer. In other words, your words, which come from your thoughts, provide us with insight on either what is holding you back or what is progressing you. If we studied your life, we would know that the words you are saying or have said, we'd have insight to what is either providing you momentum or restraining you. Now, let me go on here. Y'all still all right? So when you speak words, let's just say you speak negative words. It releases negative chemicals into your body and it builds negative memories when those negative memories are built they are strengthened they grow over time and they become toxic they become what the bible calls strongholds for example if you say i'm so weak at the moment you say that your body starts preparing for you to be weak 
If you say, I can't, your body goes into preparation for you not being able to do it or be it or have it. That's why the Bible says your words are a snare. Are y'all hearing me? We have to give faith a voice. Actually, I thought this was interesting. They have done some really, really recent research. Um, how many of you have ever been to the, the doctor and you're filling out paperwork and you have to give your family history? Because they're looking for trends. And although that's true, science is telling us that that's the number one contributor for us to discern what may happen or be wrong with us. But recent research has actually said this. It's not DNA as much as it is your words that's framing your health. So how many of you agree your words are powerful? They're powerful. Very powerful. It could be what's holding you back. It could be what's propelling you forward. It could be what's limiting you. It's building the boundaries of your life. Now listen to this. I wrote this down. So you need to say amen. That was good. Make me feel good. When God wants to change someone, what does he do? When God wants to make a change in your life, he has to do something. He has to touch your mouth. I'm going over here. When God wants to start to rearrange something in your life, you know what God has to do? Once you get revelation, he has to touch your mouth. Because that's the vehicle. That's the launch. Are you, help us somebody say, he's talking to you. Do it again. They're not listening. <laughs> I'm trying to help you. So if we're going to speak the words of Jesus, these spiritual words, back them with our faith, guess what it's going to do? It's going to start to frame your future. Now, now some people at this point are like, okay, he's talking that faith stuff, that speaking stuff. That's what the word of God is. It's the word of God spoken. And when we speak it, the word of God becomes alive. Because the Bible is a book until you get it into your mind, your heart, and get it on your lips. Let's read on and start to wrap this up. Isn't this good? What have we learned so far? If you give the devil the mic, he's going to mess you up. He will manipulate you, he will intimidate you, and he will control you. Some of you can't walk in your destiny because you've been manipulated. Some of you can't go to the next level because you're being intimidated. Some of you can't get out of the mess you feel like you're in because you're being controlled. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He'll do it to your relationships, your wallet, your marriages. He'll, he'll, he'll do it to your health. If he gets the mic, he'll mess you up. But if you can give faith a voice, it's going to grant you, it's going to grant you consistent victories. Let's read on. So we got this scene going on on Mount Carmel. Then Elijah says to all of the people, get closer, come near. So all the people came nearer to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. The altar was broken down. And Elijah began to repair the altar of the Lord. And Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel will be your name. Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar, large enough to hold two says of seed. And he put the wood in order, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood 
and said. Now this is faith talking. Fill four water pots with water, pour it on the burnt sacrifices and on the wood. Then he said, do it again. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it three times. And he did it a third time. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Third time. So the water ran all around the, wall, the altar and it filled the trench with, walt, with water. And then it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known that this day you are God in Israel and I'm your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Verse 37 says, hear me, Lord, hear me, that this people would know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all of the people saw it, they fell on their face and they said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. And Elijah said, go get the false prophets. Don't let one of them escape. They seized him. Elijah brought them down to the brook and he executed them at the brook. You got to execute the voice of the enemy. So the false prophets couldn't bring fire down for the sacrifice. But Elijah's voice of faith brought down the fire of a watered down offering. And consumed it. And how many of you know that it's one thing to believe that God's on your side? It's another thing to say that God's on your side. But how many know it goes next level when you see that God is on your side? Here's my last life point. You ready for this one? When you call for a showdown, God will always show up. When you call for a showdown... God will always show up. And, and, and here's where I want to go with that. I, I think sometimes um, we, we, we have this feeling. Don't make the devil mad. Just, you know, just keep doing your thing, living your thing, going to your church, and just don't, don't. No sudden movements. And Elijah lived totally different. Elijah called for a showdown. And what I'd like to challenge you to do is these areas in your life that might be restraining you, restricting you, holding you back, you believed wrong in, you spoke wrong in, it's time to call for a showdown in those areas of your life. Don't be intimidated by the devil. The Bible says this, uh, it says one day we're going to see him and we're going to be like, uh, you're what caused the nations to tremble. I remember years ago I did a message on that and uh, y'all remember the weeble wobbles? I had a little weeble wobble and it, it was made to look like the devil and I said, this is what, this is what it's going to be like one day. You've been fearing the enemy and he's a weeble wobble. How many have no idea what a weeble wobble is? How many know what a weeble wobble is? Aren't they intimidating? That's the enemy. But you've been listening to him yapping on his microphone to where you think he is big and bad. And he's just like, 
But when faith gives a voice, you need to call for a showdown. Don't make him mad. He's, li- he's living and breathing mad. He's been mad since he was ejected from heaven. He's mad whether you make him mad or not. But the Bible said Elijah repaired the altar. Well, what's an altar? Simply, I like to look at an altar this way. Literally, an altar means a place of slaughter. But I believe altars are markers in our life. Markers where God did something, believing God to do something, and it's a marker. It was a place we submitted. It was a place we surrendered. It's a place we set ourselves apart. And Elijah rebuilt the altar because they were worshiping other idols, and he rebuilt the altar before the people, and they repented when they saw God. And I believe if you build a new altar in your life, a new marker in your life this morning, whenever you call for a showdown, God will show up. Listen, if the enemy is speaking to you that you won't be healed and you're not going to be healed and you're not going to be able to live good again and well, you need to call for a showdown right here and right now and give faith a different voice. If the enemy saying you're going to live broke and you're going under and times are tough and gas prices are high and I get it, they are, but you need to call for a showdown right now because your God is your provider. He's your Al Shaddai. He's your healer. He's your pro- if you say, oh, my, my spouse, is, they're just crazy. We're not going to make it. You, you, you need to call for a showdown right here and right now. It's something in your kid's life, relational, whatever it is emotional, um, discouragement, depression, whatever. Call for a showdown. Pick a fight with the enemy and say, God said this. I'm going to say it with authority. I'm going to say it with boldness. I'm going to build my future off of this, this moment here. So I thought what we'd do this morning is we'd rebuild an altar. And and, and just, (laughs) it's the easy way, and just got wheels (laughs) and maybe at the bottom of this altar you need to you need to repair the foundation maybe you've just you've just let some things collapse maybe you left some sinful habits or something to get in there and shake the foundation it's it's time to repent rebuild this morning You know, maybe there's, maybe there's an area of just, you got to forgive, let God and let go. It's kept kept the altar of God in your life damaged for way too long. Because what did I say when we started this? God wants to do this incredible thing. God wants to do this amazing thing. It'll, It'll amaze the enemy. It'll amaze your critics. God wants to do something so big, you're just like, that's God right there. And we shouted. We were excited. But then I said, but you got to be prepared for a showdown over that. I'm I'm believing for him to heal my family. There's going to be a showdown over that. I'm believing for my business. There's going to be a showdown. I'm believing for these thoughts and these emotions to to get free from these. There's going to be a showdown over it. I'm believing for this healing. There's going to be a showdown over it. But don't you, see, the, the, the wrong picture we have is that we came to Jesus. And, 
and we misinterpreted some scriptures, some thoughts, and we become weaklings. When, when you come to Jesus, you become a class A warrior. So that area of your life that's troubling, that's got a stranglehold, let's call for a showdown on it. Come on, maybe it's some stuff you went through in your yesterday, some failures, some shame. Are you with me today? We're going we're gonna to keep building. Come on, this ought to excite you. Call for a showdown right here, right now. I'm rebuilding what the enemy destroyed. I'm going to let God rebuild in my life. I'm going to put some blocks back in place. I'm going to put some things back in place. And, and, and I'm going to allow God. Because this is, a, this, what, what, what is an altar? An altar, literally defined, means slaughter. It just means slaughter. And at, at that time, out of 5 million people, They said only 7,000 were still worshiping God. So you might be in the minority for what you're believing for. You you might be in the lower end of the survey of culture. But give faith its voice. Whenever you speak in faith, it, it, it... causes a showdown because when you speak faith what's always been there because of the voice of the enemy can't stay when you describe how bad it is when you describe how painful it was when you describe how annoying it is when you describe how bad they hurt you when you describe how bad the pain when you describe all that it lingers but when you give faith a voice it, it, it starts to move things it starts to cause things they can't stay how they were and, and, and you erect and repair that altar in your life. An altar is just a place to come to God and, and, and submit and to surrender and to slaughter that thing in your life. Can we all stand? Did y'all get something good out of that this morning? Um, not, not, I want to take this to part two next time and talk about punks. But what about the prophets? So I want you to think about something. When I walked up here, and in essence, prophesied something over you. How many of you felt some faith stir? You felt encouraged, inspired. Felt maybe empowered. But what happens when you give the voice of a false prophet the same screen time. You're empowered by that. You're influenced by that. You're motivated by that. You're moved by that. And the only way is to call for a showdown. And give faith a voice. But when I opened, I I said this to you, I said, this could be a setup for a showdown. Every mishap, mistake, misplacement, misunderstanding, alteration, sidetrack that you may have felt like you have been on may have just been a setup for a showdown for God to show up and show off.
Because I want God to do so, something so amazing that even your critics are like, well, they, they, they kept saying it. They kept saying it. They, they, they kept saying they'd be healed. They're healed. They kept saying they'd, they'd be restored. They're restored. They kept saying they'd be free. They're free. They kept saying. They kept saying. They kept saying. They kept saying God would straighten out this country. They kept saying God was still God in America. They kept saying over there. that They kept saying that out of their mouth. It caused a showdown. Instead of backing off in fear, I believe Elijah hid as long as he could hide. Three years, he's like, I'm coming out. Where's Ahab? Want rain? Repent. I had to call for a showdown. And so I think the showdown in your heart right now is what is about to cause a shift. You've been going this way, and a shift happens, and all it takes is a little bit of faith movement, and momentum kicks in. And when you got momentum, you get confidence. And when you get confidence, courage is moving. And when courage is moving, you understand you're a champion, and you're a different person. Now you're overcoming what used to overcome you. Now you're walking in promises and not problems. Father, I thank you for your presence. Father, I believe and I declare that this is a house of victory. God, we're, we're, we're going to say it with authority, say it with boldness, and say it with some Lego tenacity. God, those who have been restrained by addiction and habit, we're going we're gonna to pick a fight with that addiction this morning. This is their moment of liberation. This is their moment of freedom. Those who have been bound by depression and discouragement, we're going to pick a fight with that spirit this morning. Those who have been bound with fear, we're going to pick a fight with that spirit. Those who have been bound in their health, we're going to pick a fight with that ailment. Those that have been bound in poverty, we're going to pick a fight with that poverty this morning. We're going to give prosperity a voice. We're going to give healing a voice. We're going to give joy a voice. We're going to give peace a voice. We're going to give restoration a voice. We're going to give confidence a voice this morning. Come on, let's praise him for that. Father, we worship you. We praise you. We exalt you. We magnify you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Uh, we resurrect an altar of worship in your presence. We resurrect an altar of faith in your midst. God said this about that church in Revelation, Thyatira. He says, you've been doing good. You've been doing well. You, you're loving good. You're, you're, you're faithful. But you've been tolerating the wrong spirits. And I'm going to say this to you. You've been tolerating fear. You've been tolerating intimidation. You've been, come on, you've been tolerating it. God has it against us. Now, that doesn't mean he hates us. He just says, I want to show it to you so we can fix it, so we can remove it, so we can alter it this morning. And things only get altered at the altar in his presence. And he says, it's time to stop tolerating the fear. Some of you, it has bound you since you were little. Say, could that really happen in a moment? Are you kidding me? When God shows up and shows off at a showdown, anything can change in a moment. It can change. You got to walk it out when you leave here, but it can change this morning. I'm telling you, the x-ray can change. The diagnosis can change. 
Your bank book can change. Your mental situation can change. Your heart can change this morning. And here's what I wanna do. I'm gonna ask our altar team if they would come forward. And as we're gonna sing this song about victory, and if you know that you know, hey, I, I, I gotta rebuild something here this morning. You say, well, I don't have to go up there. It's just a sign of faith. If you know, we just wanna pray with you about whatever that is this morning. So for the next few moments during this song, please feel free to step out of your seat. Let somebody pray in faith with you about something. Uh, you know, the Bible said there's great, there's, there's, there's power when you pray, but there's next level power when you get in agreement with someone. So we're going to believe with you this morning for that thing. Don't be intimidated. We say this all the time. We're a church. We're not a courtroom. We're going to sing about victory. It, and you know, this morning you may seem like, you may seem at your most defeated, desperate, down and out moment. What better time to, by faith, sing about victory?